This is Small Talk with 101 ESPN's Michelle Smallman. Presented by Liquid Spirits Beverage Catering Company. Hey, what's up? Welcome into episode 63 of Small Talk. I'm your host, Michelle Smallman. We're not going to do three random things this week. One, because we're short on time. And two, because the conversation that I'm about to have is essentially going to be three random things. We're just going to take it wherever it may go, which could be dangerous, but it should also be fun. This week, I'm chatting with Peter Rosenberg, and I want to dive right in because we have him on the line. Peter, thanks for giving me the one free hour of your day to jump on and do this podcast. How are you? It's so good to talk to you. I am fantastic. I thought you would never ask, and now I'm here. And now you're here, and I'm glad to have you. Well, Peter, I think the most taxing part for me in prepping for this interview was making sure that I correctly listed the roughly 97 jobs you currently hold. I mean, you're everywhere. You go from Ebro in the Morning on Hot 97 to the Michael K Show on ESPN New York. You do your WWE stuff with Cheap Heat. You have your Juan Epstein podcast. You're all over the map. So to someone who's maybe not as familiar with you, how would you describe your career if you had one word to describe it? Um, In a word, I would say... Say, oh, let me hold. Oh, let me think of the positive. Let me. I, I was going to go negative, which is terrible. So, I, I'll I'll start with um, over the top positive and say blessed. But then I'll. But I'll. Which I'm not a big blessed guy. But in this case, I will say blessed. But um, busy also. Um, it's a lot. I don't. I certainly, I certainly have my hands full schedule wise. But I mean, none of it's real work. So how much can I really complain? You know. That's true. Um, can it be two words, though? Hashtag blessed? Hashtag blessed. That's true. That's a better way of putting it. <laughs> it's so funny that I said that because, like, I love making fun of people saying blessed. And, like, I, this started, my making fun of blessed started before the Internet even. It was when people on their voicemail used to say, have a blessed day. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, calm down, church lady. But then at the same time, you know, I really, you know, even though I'm not a... Um, traditionally religious person I do have some spiritual beliefs and it is like hard to not feel that from a professional standpoint I haven't been really really lucky like I I have so many people who tell me that I do what they would, would dream of doing so it seems almost like I would just be an ungrateful bastard to not be appreciative of the fact that I have these jobs so blessed <laughs> so so hashtag blessed is what i'm saying only address me as hashtag blessed from now on please oh you should put it in your twitter bio hashtag blessed <laughs> but to I your will. point i had someone the other day say to me we were having conversation face to face and at the end of it she just kind of grabbed my arm and she said god bless you and it wasn't a sneeze it was just like god bless you and i, w- I was kind of disarmed by it because i feel like people use blessed in such a ironic way now that when someone actually said to me like I hope that God blesses you I was like wow oh my god thank you so much I know that sounds like such like an aggressively sweet thing to do yes um and I feel like it's interesting bless is used in these ways like you have God bless you and then there's like bless your heart which is kind of like I feel bad for you oh yeah that's an, um, that's a complete salt almost where you're saying something nice but it's insulting underneath yeah and it's sort of like and then there's like, oh, be blessed, which is like F off. So it is a weird choice, but I, um, I do feel, I may be lucky should have been the word choice. And I would, you, you, maybe some people would view it as blessed. Some would view it as lucky. And, you know, I mean, I, and I guess I also worked really hard too, but 
I still consider it to be certainly very lucky. Okay, so kind of take me through your day. What time do you wake up? You go to High 97. From start to finish, I want to know all the things that you cram in from a work perspective from sunrise to sunset. Well, um, a lot of people uh, falsely presume that I wake up at like 4 a.m., which I have not woken up in the fours since like I maybe first started in New York and I was doing 5 to 7 a.m., um, the truth is, I will not be dishonest about my shortcomings. I, like, walk in the door at my show when the show starts. So I don't shower in the morning. I shower at night. And I wake up at 5.30 and just walk out the door, and I walk in at 6 and start. So I wake up at 5.30. I'm at hot until um, 10 or 11, um, depending on how many interviews we have. Um, when I, when I, in our early years, when the, in a different iteration of the show, we used to be there like forever until like 12, one o'clock. It was brutal. But these days being the grizzled vet that I am, I'm out pretty early. And then I either come home or, and walk the dog or have therapy or occasionally have a meeting or something that I have to go to. And then I try to always rest for some amount of time. Like, not as much as I used to. I used to nap for, like, hours. Now I more, like, catch, like, 45 minutes to an hour um, so I don't get as groggy. And then I have to turn around and be back at at ESPN um, at 2.30. Um, but to give you a, a map that makes it make sense, I live on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Um, Hot 97 is downtown in the West Village. And then Hot, and then ESPN New York is five blocks from my house. So when I come back up from Hot, I can stay in my neighborhood and then I walk to ESPN. It's only six blocks away. So, Which and is- then that's it. After seven, I'm, I'm done unless I have something else to do. But like some days I have to record the one Epstein podcast. And then one day a week I have to do my wrestling podcast, GP. So, you know. Uh, there is other stuff in there, but that's the general schedule. Okay, but that's so much already. Your day is already packed. I find that the most difficult part of any radio show is the preparation, especially with sports. You have to watch all the games. You have to take notes. You're reading things all the time. That's what I don't understand from people like you that have multiple jobs and do multiple jobs well, is where do you find the prep time in there? You know, I don't do a lot of prep beyond watching. Um you know, I don't read probably as much about sports as I should. I mean, I, I, I check like the big, you know, I check the big stuff throughout the day. I check ESPN.com and the New York newspapers websites throughout the day um, and just see what the main storylines are. I mean, the thing is, my role on the on the Michael K. Show on ESPN is like, you know, I, I'm, I'm funny and sort of a provocateur a little bit on that show and... You know, it's an opinion-based show. And, like, frankly, my two, the two hosts are so knowledgeable generally in sports that, like, I, I make sure I know about the things that I'm really passionate about, but I don't ever worry about being the smartest guy in the room when it comes to sports. It's just not going to be me. Like, that's not going to be what makes me good. Um, now, that doesn't mean that sometimes I don't probably need to work harder and read more and be – and that's something that's been a, a learning process for me. Like, you know, the last two years, I've really worked on paying more attention to baseball. You know, when I got there, I'd been pretty out on baseball for a while. And that has required more time and energy to at least know the Yankees. And that's pretty backwards and forwards. But um, 
You know, I don't spend a ton, a ton of time studying. I mean, last night I had to be up and watch the terrible Jets game till the bitter end. But like, I'm interested. You know, I'm interested enough in that. And um, I, I've been here long enough now that even though I'm not a Jets fan, I do care. It's weird to not be a fan but care a lot. Um, and I'm there. So yeah, don't don't look at me as a beacon of hard work. Um, <laughs> I'm not that man. Okay, well, speaking of the Jets, I thought it'd be interesting since you're in both music and hip-hop and in sports to pull two headlines from each of those genres and present them to you. The two headlines coming out of sports and music that I found today and just get your reaction to them, okay? Okay, sure. Okay, headline in sports. Sam Darnold explains his seeing ghost revelation during the Jets' loss to the Patriots. (laughs) I, I am already, I haven't even gotten to do my show yet today. And I can't take it with the seeing ghost thing. Like I, it is such an over the top story. It is so. I, listen, I didn't play football. I don't know what it's like to feel completely ambushed, and um, what it's like to be a quarterback when you're trying to read defenses. And maybe saying you're seeing ghosts means you are rattled permanently and you are broken and you're never going to be a quarterback. Or maybe he was just speaking really candidly about how rattled he was by Belichick's defense, which is how I take it. Like, it was a disaster. It was a horrifying game. I mean, a horrifying quarterback performance. Um, and not just because he was throwing interceptions, but like as Booger McFarlane put it on the broadcast last night, it, it really it was noticeable throughout the game. He was throwing off his back foot the whole night. Um, but but the, the ghost thing... That is the kind of thing that New York will run with. <laughs> no other city in the country has to deal with the level of scrutiny a line like that has in New York. I mean, the back page of the New York Post said was was the caption was boo. <laughs> it was boo. Sam Garnold says he's seeing ghosts. Like, he's, <laughs> this is going to be... And, and he was just mic'd up. He probably barely remembers saying it. You I know? know, I know. That's the thing that kills me about it is here's this young player. He's mic'd up. He's giving them this access. And he probably wasn't even aware of what he was saying in that moment and that it was going to be telecast to the, the entire country. And I just, I felt so bad for the kid. But I just thought, man, this is going to be something that he has to carry for a long time. And by the way, you saying that made me think about it. How often is a quarterback mic'd up on Monday Night Football? It's a good question. It doesn't feel that common. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, I don't know. We'd have to look into it, but I can promise you after last night, many a quarterback is not going to want to do it. (laughs) Yeah, not when they're playing the Patriots. Um, It it was bad. It was bad. I feel for Sam. We have a weekly phone with Sam, so we have to talk to him today. Oh, my God. Um, Yeah, like we're, we're his... I mean, it's actually unfortunate. I really wanted them to win and have that BYR phoner was a big deal today, but at least it's cool to know the phoner will be a big deal today. Um, yeah. But it's a, it's a bummer because we really like him. He's a real sweet kid, so it's a bummer. And then to see some of the Patriots' reactions when the reporters were relaying to him, like, did you see what Kyle Van Noy said? No. Oh my gosh. Before this interview, you have to go watch his reaction. He's at his locker and he's laughing. He's like, I can't believe he said that. So yeah, he's going to get that from every opposing team now. Poor Sam Darnold. They're going to dress up as ghosts. Like it's going to be awful. Fans are going to wear ghost costumes. I know. I know. Anyway. Okay. So moving on to hip hop. Here's a hip hop headline I found today. Suge Knight signs life rights over to Ray J. Uh, honestly, I mean, that was such a big story yesterday, I, like, or on the internet. I mean, whatever that means. 
I, I, I don't even know. Like, is there any more bottom feeding sort of story than something that includes Suge Knight and Ray J? <laughs> And yet everyone was all over it. Like, I don't know what Ray J does with people's life rights. I mean, I don't, I, I listen, I mean, the only thing you think of when it comes to Ray J essentially is Kim Kardashian. Of course. And, you or know, Brandy. I guess you could argue. Yeah, I guess, that's a great point. Thank of you. course, Brandy. Of course, Brandy. Her, her brother, by the way, guys. I mean, that's her brother. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Not in the same vein as Kim Kardashian. No way. Yes, just to be clear, that would be really problematic if, if people thought that was like the second video. That would be oh bad. Um, no, yeah, I, I really, I saw the story. I don't understand it. I, I once interviewed Vince Staples. This clip was going around the internet yesterday of when I had Vince Staples on my show. And he's a really smart, funny artist. And he was joking about how Ray J has his hand somehow in like every important hip hop story of all time. <laughs> um, and this maybe speaks more to that. But honestly, I have no answer to that. I wish I had an entertaining answer about Ray J and Suge Knight, um, but I don't even understand it. And every thought that I have is a crude joke that I don't think fits on your podcast, so I'll, I'll let it go. Okay, well, I mean, you can do that. You're free to say what you want. Ray J's penis. I keep thinking <laughs> about Ray J's penis. I mean, once you've seen it, you can't unsee it, okay? And now I'm thinking, why? And now why am I thinking about this? Because Suge Knight, it's like jail. So you think like jail, and penis. It just becomes an uncomfortable thought process. You know, I've never seen the video, so that that image never, never comes up. You've never seen the video. No, I've never seen the video, so that image never comes up for me. I've never seen the Paris Hilton one. I've never seen any of those. Um, well, honestly, I just I, I saw the Ray J Kim Kardashian video, and I remember interviewing Ray J shortly thereafter, and just making joke after joke about like, dude. I feel weird because I just saw your schlong. Why did I watch this video? Because um, that's, that's really unique. Like, he may be the only person I know as an adult, like, whose penis I've seen. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's, I mean, well, listen, I'm white, so in high school, you know, I definitely saw my friends' penises. Um, for people who don't know, a lot of times on my show, we refer to them as white boy games. Um, there was a lot of random nudity. But like, you know, we were all like high school baseball players. We're mm-hmm. like, I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't feel like today diving into what the hell was going on that everyone felt the need to be nude most of the time when we were like juniors in high school. But as an adult, I don't see other dudes at all except Ray J, who I barely know. It's strange when you think about it. I just assume, I guess. That if you go to the gym, there's guys just kind of freeballing it everywhere. I'm sh- I've never, not never. I have only showered at the gym in like 20 circumstances in my life where it's like I was in a rush to go somewhere else. Otherwise, the gym is always scheduled in a place in my life where it's like the next thing I do is go home. And like I'm not walking on gross shower, gym shower floor and risking seeing like 80-year-old balls when I can just go home and shower alone. Like, I don't mind being sweaty in my car that much. So I know there are people, and by the way, my high school and middle school, there was no showering at school. Like, no one showered at school. Did people shower at your school, like, after practice at games, and like, in sports? No. I don't even know. If, I went to Catholic school, and I don't even know. It was, like, a smaller Catholic school, and I don't even know if we had 
I mean, I guess the guys did. I guess the guys probably had a shower area, but I don't even know if the if the girls did. So no, we weren't showering at school. We went. I went to a Catholic school, and the girls were not even allowed to shower. We showered once a week on Sundays. Um, <laughs> no, I, I. But like you know, how like back in old school movies, like everyone's in the shower and they're like bullying the kid in the shower. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like even in Euphoria, do you watch Euphoria? No, but I need to. It's on my list. So, like, even in Euphoria, there's, like, these shower scenes, which have been much talked about because of the amount of nudity they have. And I'm just like, yo, it's 2019. People are still showering at, at the gyms at school. Like, that did not happen in my high school. And I am so glad. I would so not have been comfortable with my level. I mean, I don't want anyone to see me naked now. I cannot imagine when I was 14 or 15 having, like, hey, dude, jump in the shower with other people from school. Like, that's... Doesn't that sound like torture to you? I would have been terrified to do that. Yeah. Now that you think about it, I don't know if I've ever even in adolescence been put in that situation, like a group shower situation. I think girls are always pretty sequestered if they want to be. I think that's right. There is, it is sort of expect, expected that girls are allowed to be modest, whereas like, I feel like if that setting existed for guys and people did do it, you would be viewed at as weird if you didn't want to do it. Yeah, that is always a question. Even now, though, you know, working in sports, you're going into locker rooms, you're going into clubhouses. Guys are just, they are changing wherever they want to change. It just seems like at a certain age, though, guys are less insecure or self-conscious. And they're just like, whatever, I don't care. Yeah, I listen, I know that that's where people tend to go. I think that that's mostly, not always, but certainly influenced by the these athletes being in great shape and confident about who they are physically. Because yeah, that's a really uh, good point. <laughs> uh, 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 now listen, I have definitely improved. Like when I was with WWE, I had to shout, I had to get dressed around people all the time, and there were often like there was a um, there's a locker room for broadcasters. But very often it was just all mixed up and there were wrestlers in there too. So not to mention all the other broadcasters are basically former wrestlers. So I would be changing with people who are just in so much better shape than me. It's so embarrassing. So I, I quickly like realized that as much as I was living this dream of getting to work in WWE, I now had this little miniature nightmare of also I had to change with like, these supreme athletes and I'm like the schlubby 38 year old radio guy. Um, but I will say to your point, there is something about being older that you do just get used to it. And like, fuck it. I, I just don't care anymore. Yeah. I feel like if I had to change in a room with a bunch of Instagram models, I'd just be like, whatever, I don't care. Yeah. Like, but you, would you think about it at first though? Right. Like um, if you looked over, if you looked over and there's a half naked woman whose body is perfect, would you be like, Oh, Wow. Wow. Hmm. See, this is how insane I am. Instead of having jealousy or envy or insecurity, I'd be like, I know you've had work done. Tell me what it is. <laughs> See, if I had done that in the WWE locker room, would have been really awkward. If I'm like, I got to tell you, you look amazing. What are you doing? <laughs> Bottom implants, <laughs> spill it. <laughs> yeah, whatever you're doing is working and I need to do it. So, yeah, um, I don't know how we ended up. I guess it was Ray J. Again, blame it on Ray J's penis, but here we are. I mean, Ray J's penis really took us to some depths there. <laughs> oh, I guess I, I mean, can't say at, that. That just came out wrong. <laughs> it really did. But well, think about this. Think about what it did for Kim Kardashian. That's I mean, true. 
she was famous before, but not like that. Not even close. But was she even really famous? She was the girl no. who organized Paris Hilton's closet and hung out with her and maybe went on a yep. date with Nick Lachey once. She was not famous. That is that is completely fair. Yes, you are correct. She was not actually famous. That is correct. And I just sometimes, is that your dog? Hey, there, I'm doing an interview, dude. This is a big podcast. Sorry, continue. He's like, please stop talking about Ray J naked, please. <laughs> I don't. He's like, Dad, I've always worried about you. I don't understand these weird things you talk about. He's like, do we have to watch that movie again? I'm over it. <laughs> He's like, Dad, there are, you know there are entire sites now where you can view whatever you want. We don't need to always go back to Ray J and Kim Kardashian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have options now. But the Kim Kardashian sex tape is interesting to me because of the way we received it as a society, as a culture. And listen, this happened, what, a decade ago? So I could be misremembering this. But it just seems like when Paris Hilton's sex tape dropped, she felt very shamed. And we looked at her in a negative light. Yes, she became more famous after that, but there was certainly a negative connotation to that. Whereas the way that I remember it is that Kim Kardashian's sex tape with Ray J dropped and she all of a sudden became a massive star. It was, here's the sex tape. Here's my reality TV show. Oh, I'm pushing out clothes for Sears. And it's just been this massive snowball effect ever since where we acknowledge the sex tape, but it doesn't seem like it really hindered her the way that it hindered someone like Paris Hilton. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, you know, I've, I've heard Paris Hilton talk about that before. Don't ask why. Um, I, I guess I watched a documentary on Netflix about social media stars. Oh, I saw and, that American meme. Oh, there you go. Exactly. Yes. And I thought Paris. I thought Paris spoke to that pretty well, like the level of shame that she kind of went through. Because you're right. Like, and 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 then it's like, it's such an interesting. It's I have so many interesting mixed feelings on how I feel about that too. Because in one sense it's really great that someone wouldn't be shamed and feel terrible about themselves, et cetera, et cetera. And then in another sense, the culture almost like went the full other way and was like, no, 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 no. let's celebrate doing this. And it's like, I don't know if that's necessarily what we want to do either. Um, you know, I certainly feel bad for the people who've had it happen, especially by accident, like where they were tricked into it, which is evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but like Kim Kardashian, it wasn't, no one thought that that was like, she wasn't like, Ray J didn't trap her. That was a plan. Like that was a specific purposeful thing. And she has now as a result become like an influence to literally, she's one of the most influential people on planet earth. Yes. So I certainly don't think someone should be shamed for having sex, but I also don't think that devising a plan to do a very below average sex tape and then release it should make you literally now you just get meetings with the president whenever you feel like it and you are truly as influential on culture whether we like it or not or try to fight it or not like she's as influential a person as you can be like that's why i I, i'm sort of it's such a mixed bag i mean either way we're doomed but it just depends how you want to look at yeah i mean she's dictating policy now i mean what is happening yeah, like, no, like, like, people can talk about how unfair the justice system is. Nothing, the, the, it, the needle doesn't move until Kim Kardashian makes it an issue. And now it's like, you know what? People should not be falsely imprisoned. Thank you, Kim Kardashian. Right. I mean, I'm glad, she's, I'm glad she's doing it for causes that seem to be just. Though, 
I'm sort of skeptical and believe there's probably something more nefarious at play. But that's just me being a conspiracy theorist. Well, I want to ask you about Kanye West, specifically in regards to Kim Kardashian and fame. Okay, so when they hooked up, she was famous, right? She had her reality show. She was a big brand. She dated athletes. I remember she was dating Reggie Bush, and then she married Chris Humphreys. But there was a certain kitschiness to being a reality star. Then Kanye marries her, and it's like, wow, Kanye isn't kind of famous. He's a massive star. He's an important artist. He's a big deal. And maybe I'm conditioned to big celebrities pairing off, but I was kind of surprised that Kanye didn't look down on Kim's career. And, you know, clearly he loves her and that other ancillary stuff didn't really matter. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that was the first iteration of major celebrities dating reality stars. Like it struck me the other day, I read that Gigi Hadid international supermodel dated some dude from The Bachelor who I I had never heard of. So I guess reality stars are now in that top circle of fame. I I totally hear what you're saying. It was, it, it, it lent that entire world such credibility because say what you will about Kanye West right now, and he generally makes a fool of himself pretty regularly, but musically, I mean, seriously, he's Overall, he's one of the great American artists musically over the last, you know, 15, 20 years. Um, you know, he, his body of work is incredible. He's truly interesting. Um, he's, in, he's important. He's really important um, and culturally influential. So, yeah, him then being with Kim Kardashian, it did. It changed it. It elevated the entire thing. And it's also really interesting when you look, I think when we look back at like what the story is and how it played out, you know, it's, and I, I admittedly say this with um, a lot of bias because Amber Rose is a close friend and I love Amber. She is like truly one of the best human beings you could ever meet. And I'm not saying Kim Kardashian is a good person. I don't know Kim Kardashian. She may be a great person, but there is this really distinct difference. Although Amber and Kim have the same birthday, which is interesting if you're into that kind of thing. Um, that is weird. And, and that is that Amber is so real. She is so a regular person, you know, and she was because of how important Kanye is going back to how important Kanye is. You know, she became a celebrity just because she was Kanye's new girlfriend. And, you know, she happens to be beautiful and unique looking and all those things. But she became this huge thing. And then. You fast forward, he ends up with Kim Kardashian. And again, I know this sounds like I'm passing judgment. And maybe private, maybe privately, Kim Kardashian's really a real-ass person. But certainly from everything that we can observe um, publicly, you wouldn't say that real-ass person is how you is how she strikes you. And no, I'm not intentionally using the term real-ass. You get the <laughs> idea, though. Like, there is something about the Kardashians that everything seems manufactured. Everything feels like they never had a real life. Whereas the Amber story is, you know, a girl from Philly who really came from nothing, who we met in the strip club. And overnight she kind of became a sensation, but then also maintained being this really real, authentic, sweet person. I just find it really interesting, like the the way his life played out and then what has played out since then, um, where you fast forward to where he is now and sort of what appears to be someone who, like, at the very least, 
and struggling with pretty intense mental health issues. And I'm not putting all that on the Kardashians or anything. I just find the whole story. I think one day we will look back and find it all very interesting. I think we're looking back on it now as it's playing out and finding it interesting. But speaking of Kanye, Jesus is King is coming out this week. Are you excited for it? Are you apprehensive? What do you think about this kind of religious concept album that he's doing? I, I'm bummed out because I don't care. Oh, um, I'm at, that I'm that bums of- me out, too. I know, I know. Especially after all of our talk about Blessed earlier. Um, <laughs> but I just, uh, you know, I'm sure there'll be songs on it that I like. But I don't know. I don't know what it is, man. I, I, I feel resentful. I feel resentful towards Kanye at this point. It feels like really cheap. And I'm not, I'm not saying it's intentional because I really think a lot of the things Kanye does he just does because it's what's in his heart and what he feels. But on the surface, what it looks like is you went out and offended people and really said things that were like stupid and uninformed and hurtful to a lot of people. And then you ran to church and we're like, I'm religious now. Doesn't everyone want to celebrate Jesus? Jesus is King. And it's like, uh, number one, it just feels like you're trying to play people. And number two, I mean, I'll keep it honest. Like, I don't listen to gospel music because I'm not, I'm a secular person. Like, hey, I'm Jewish. So, like, as open as I am to the celebration of Jesus, great Jew, by the way, big fan, great guy, do I want an entire album celebrating that? And is it even going to be that? Or are you going to, or is it going to be packaged like that? Yo, listen, how can I be excited or even believe, let's suppose... I did love gospel music and I wanted to be involved. How much can you really get excited about something that's supposed to be based on religion when they were selling merch for like a hundred dollars a shirt based around Jesus? Like it just all strikes me as so whack. Yeah. I don't know. And then I and then I don't like that I feel that way either. So I don't know. No, that was my point with it, too. At first, I was like, you know, wow, he's doing these Sunday services. What a cool, in such a divisive time, what a cool thing to do to just bring all these different people together in different spaces in America and celebrate a higher power. That's kind of cool. And then when I saw that it was just as commercial as everything else the Kardashians do and they're pumping out merchandise and you can buy it online, I was just like, man, that bums me out. That's gross. How can you not feel gro- Like, how can you not feel gross about it? Like, I think, honestly... I think if I really be- truly believed it, um, and like I said, not that I don't think he believes it on some level. You know, I think he's always referenced Jesus and God. I think it is a part of who he is. But like, I guess it's like when you're turning to someone for some sort of religious or spiritual presence, that person, to me, needs to have some sense of self. Like you're, you're asking, you're, you're, you're following to some extent. This person's preaching, basically. They're telling you the words of the gospel. They're, they're, they're taking you on a journey spiritually. And you're trusting Kanye with a spiritual journey? I wouldn't trust him to go to Target and pick up paper towels. Like, I, I just, I can't. I, I, I don't trust anything about him. He's completely, and again, not because I think he's intentionally trying to screw people over, but because I think he's completely lost. And frankly, you know, this whole, at some point along the way here, he should have been pulled aside by his family until they sort of got his medicine right and figured out exactly what was going on for him. Like, that should have happened at some point. 
it shouldn't have just been like, you know, by the way, I, I'm sorry. I, I know you like talking about random things, so I'm going to bring this up to you. Yeah, go for it. There, there's a store in my neighborhood that literally, like, it looks like it's, like, fancy stuff. I don't know what it is. It's just, it's just black. The outside of the store is literally all black except a door. I may go in on the phone with you and try to figure out. Wait, something. go in. I want to know what it is. But it might just be women's clothes. Oh, no, it says women, so that would imply there's also men's, correct? Well, now I'm confused if it's all, you mean, like, all black awnings or, like, all black clothes? Yes, yes. No, 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 like, like the awning, the, the, like, there's not windows, it's just black. Oh, look, a guy recognized me. Maybe he'll tell me what it is. Hold on. Okay. Let's see what the other conversation is. All right, goes. cool. Hold on. I'm going to ask him. Hold on. Yo, what's up, man? Yo, what's up, bro? What's up? How are you, bro? I'm good. That's so crazy. Pleasure. Nice to meet you. Yo, nice to see you. What, what is this thing? Alexander Wang. Yo, oh, it's Alexander Wang. Oh. Can I bring my dog in? Uh, of course. What up, man? How are you? <laughs> Pleasure. Thank you, man. Nice to Yo, meet you guys. Oh, thank you. That's very sweet, man. Thanks, bro. I appreciate it. I live down the block. I'll see you guys in a minute. All right, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. What up, what up? How are you? Nice to meet you. Pleasure. Did you hear that entire thing? Oh, my gosh. First of all, what a celeb you are. Secondly, of course it's Alexander Wang. He's so chic. Of course it's Alexander Wang. I'm so, I'm so confused. And now, and now my dog is creating, my dog is creating a stir as he often does. Um, Did you go in? Yeah, I'm inside now. Oh, you're inside Alexander Wang. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in, can you hear? Yeah, I can hear some music. It sounds cool. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Alexander Wang is very minimal, very clean lines. Love Alexander Wang. Really? How, uh, How expensive are we talking? Oh, pretty expensive. Like it'll make I feel like this stuff's on sale. It'll make Kanye's uh, Sunday service tees look cheap. Well, none of it says Jesus on it though. No, it you're right. <laughs> I love that you're doing this interview in Alexander Wang. <laughs> <laughs> it's all very me. That's what I, I'm always hearing. I mean, this 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 pair of sweatpants is four hundred ninety-five dollars. Yeah, see, I told you, really expensive, but like probably the best sweatpants I'll ever own. Very chic. I'll very, tell you what, very cool. I'll, I'll, and by the way, I'll tell you what, if you had these sweatpants, you could use them as a blanket. Like, this could be your comforter for the winter. Yeah, there you go. And I mean, if you're walking the streets um, in New York, you're going to need something like that. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, I'm sorry. I did not mean to break up our Kanye. Although, how appropriate to walk into Alexander Wang during a Kanye conversation. Pretty good, because, I mean, he did study fashion. I wonder if he studied Alexander Wang. I mean, he, that's definitely the, the lane that he likes to live in. Yes, he does. So Alexander Wang, like I said, very clean, minimal. I feel like Kanye is trying to kind of, now that we're talking about this, kind of what Kanye is doing, whether you look at his home or his his space that he's occupying in the fashion world, he is kind of leaning Alexander Wang. And, and by the way, I'm very amused by you because, number one, I realized that you really like Kanye. And number one, I re- number two, I realized you really like fashion. Yeah, I'm into fashion and I'm more so intrigued by Kanye. Obviously, I love his music. I think what he's been able to do in the fashion space is really interesting. And I think genius oftentimes is misunderstood when you look at a lot of great artists in history. They're not normal for a reason. You know, and Kanye's been very open about his mental health issues and struggles that he has. And I certainly don't endorse everything that he said or done. Um, But I think that's where the delineation lies is that 
I, I look at him as an artist and as a creator and not a person. And I know that it's hard to separate the two, especially in today's climate. But when I look at how he's been able to take something like his shoes and say, I don't need Nike. I don't need Adidas. I trust myself and my talent and I'm going to produce what I want to produce. And he is able to cut out the middleman and is very steadfast in his vision and his beliefs. That's what I find so intriguing about him. I think that's 100% true. I think you, I think that's all very true. And I do think he's a brilliant person. And like, you have to understand, it's so funny, like on the videos, we posted a lot of content about Kanye and a lot of people believe we really hate him. And they're like, we're so sick of you attacking Kanye. What's wrong with you? Blah, 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 blah. And the truth is, I love Kanye and have defended him so, so much. Like at so many turns, I have defended him and loved him. But then he drives you nuts too. Oh, you know? for sure. And so it's, it's frustrating to be a part of sort of the, the Kanye world because you love the guy and you really want to kind of protect him to some extent. And then at the same time, he drives you absolutely crazy and does things you're like, dude, seriously? You know, like the political stuff has been really hard to swallow. Yes. And it's, it's been really challenging. And you're like, are you doing this? Like, do you realize what you're doing? Do you, not, do you not understand how much you're affecting people and how much you could potentially move the needle in not good ways? Like, it's just all very, it's very confusing. But I, as you can tell, I have apprehension about it because I hate the idea that people would perceive it as like we constantly want to like tear him down because I certainly don't like feel that way. And I, what I'm about to say, I don't want it to sound like I'm endorsing him or endorsing the things that he said because some of the things do come off as very reckless and that's not okay. But I just, I look at him. Man, you are bumping in there. Just Did it get very loud over here? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to move. I'm going to get it. No, no, you're good. I just wish that I could channel his absolute confidence and himself when he was a producer and he's like I don't need to produce for other people I can just rap myself I can make these songs myself and he did it he's like I don't need Adidas or Nike I can do this myself you know I can do all of this stuff myself if he was like Trump like okay you do what you do you but I think if you listen to him in other interviews after that when he says I just don't want people to tell me what to do I want to be able to feel the way that I feel and do what I want to do and I think there is a, a freedom in that and I think oftentimes we are too afraid of what other people are going to think of us. Yes, I, I, I totally agree with all that. And remember, you know, his story, as far as like the way everything played out initially, was like people did not want him as a rapper. Like he was getting shot down over and over and over again. And, you know, I really think it was a tough he was in a very tough spot. Like people did not want him to rap. Like he, I know I'm my old, my partner, my partner on my podcast, he directly has a story of when Kanye was trying to rap and get on one of his projects. And he told Kanye like, bro, I'm good, man. Just, just the beats. Thank you. You know, like wow. people really, people really did feel that way. It happened to him all the time. And he's like, no, you have to hear me. I'm so great. Blah, 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 blah. And you know, um, was he as great a rapper as he ever believed he was? I'm not sure, but he was certainly really good enough to have a great career. So obviously he was right to some extent, you know, and he's a genius. Musically, I've seen Kanye in person, concerts so many times, paid for tickets, you know, went to his shows and loved them. Like, I'm a real, real fan. So like when I, when I get frustrated and talk my trash it, it actually does come from a real place of love and sometimes disappointment um like listen dude you're expressing yourself i think we're all allowed to express ourselves critically as well 
Absolutely. That's only fair. Okay, so I know you're short on time, so I'm going to give you three other questions that we'll run through because we've gone all over the place. I know you love Jay-Z. Everyone should listen to your Juan Epstein podcast. I started checking it out yesterday. I'm three episodes in. It's so good. It's, it's really, really interesting. And I saw on your social media today that you guys were going to break down Jay-Z's biggest missteps. I'm taking a picture real quick. Yo, thank you, man. Appreciate <laughs> oh it. Cheers. I'm walking out right now. Was this like a pop-up thing? Yes. Got it. We're in new, um, we're in new location. We usually have other ones like downtown. Got it. So we have other ones in Soho and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Word, word, word. What up, man? Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Michelle, I'm very sorry. No, no. Tell them, since they are obviously your fans of yours, that they should send you some merch and you can post it on your social media. <laughs> I, I know, right? And then I'll send you my address in St. Louis. There was a lot more women stuff here, Michelle, than men. I'm not going to lie. And by the way, Michelle, I'm wearing sweatpants as we speak. Not bad sweatpants, though. Not Alexander Wang sweatpants, though. No, no, no. They're John Elliott. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Love. Have a good one. Cheers, y'all. Thank you, man. I appreciate it, guys. All right, that really was obnoxious. I sincerely apologize. I had no intention of randomly popping into an Alexander Wang pop-up during this conversation. But my this is the thing about living in New York. My dog, when we started the phone call, was like, I want to go outside. I didn't know what for. We ended up walking around. And then before you know it, you're like, what is this random black space? Oh, it's Alexander Wang. They're blasting soul music and selling lots of women's clothing. Um, no, I, so I think I it was a wonderful journey that you took us on. I'm just upset that when you were saying goodbye to those people, you didn't say stay blessed. <laughs> Yo, guys, stay blessed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank and by the way, you. some of the clothes in there were so weird. Like, that was... So I, what it was, I figured it out. So I, as I was looking at it, I think I figured out what it was is I guess they do some sort of quick pop-up, like limited release. Mm-hmm. And everything in there had like set prices that were on sale. So I guess people who are like nerds about this kind of stuff know about these things and then show up and buy things for cheap. Oh. All final sale. Yes. Have you ever been to a sample you, sale in New York? I guess that's what I guess it was an Alexander Wang sample sale. I think you're translating for me what that was. Uh, well, I went to a Rachel Comey sample sale one time, and I honestly thought a girl was going to pull my hair out because I grabbed a sweater that she wanted, and I was like, "Sorry, I'm taking it with me." It gets very aggressive. And I've never even heard of Rachel Comey. That's how fancy you are. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's fashion. I'll send you some stuff. Don't you worry. Um, are, you, are you the Are you the most fashionable woman in St. Louis? No, not even close. I don't have the capital to be the most fashionable woman in St. Louis. No way. Well, I think you should rename your podcast that anyway. <laughs> okay. You know, maybe that should be my new thing is that my guests have to walk into different fashion brands as we talk. <laughs> that was literally the most, like, r- fancy store I've ever. I'm so lost when I walk in places like that. I, like, I'm looking at the stuff and I'm like, is it all supposed to be this ugly? <laughs> like, I don't understand. Um, okay, yes, my, but my, um, my Jay-Z podcast is tremendous. You're absolutely right about that. It is tremendous. And I saw on your social media today that you guys were going to be breaking down Jay-Z's biggest missteps. And I heard you mention the verse on Monster. And I would like you to elaborate on that just a little bit. Is that your opinion or someone else's? Because when I listen to Monster, Nicki Minaj kills everyone on that song. And I just think, wow, you made people like Kanye and Jay-Z embarrassed. Like, you embarrassed them. Well, that's that's the most famous part of Monster, for sure. For sure. Um, It was sort of her, um, welcome to the party. Like, you're one of the best at that time in 2010, whatever it was. So, um... Yeah, I think that's the most memorable thing about that song. And then Hove, Jay's verse on it is just very strange. Um, we ended up going into a lot of detail 
on the podcast about it, but it was just like, it's almost as if Jay-Z got an email about the song and it was like, um, we're doing a monster song. And he was like, oh my God, sweet. We're like literally doing a monster song. I'm going to just rap about ghouls and goblins. <laughs> and then it's like the most literal interpretation of a song title I've ever, it's, it's just very strange that he starts the verse off by just listing every kind of monster and then says, what do these things have in common? I'm a motherfucking monster. It's just so strange. Um, everyone's allowed to have one. Maybe I'm wrong and not that smart and it wasn't a misstep. But um, on this episode, yeah, like we just kind of like, you know, everyone who's iconic. You know, in hip hop, we are getting to a space we've never been in before where artists are getting old. They're, 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 they're aging into a different demographic. And in every other genre of music, this has already happened. Like we already saw, um, you know, Paul Simon get old or Bruce Springsteen get old or the Rolling Stones get old, Paul McCartney or George Harrison mm -hmm. and saw the different phases they had and saw that like, sometimes they made classic, amazing stuff. Sometimes they made three albums in a row. No one cared about, you know, and then, and then you turn on the Grammys one year and it's like Bob Dylan wins five Grammys in like 1995. I'm making that up, but you get the idea. Um, and I think we haven't seen that yet with hip hop because it's still a relatively new genre. Um, although it's 40 now, but so I think with Ho, you have to be honest still and do a, when you're doing a podcast all about someone and look not only at the brilliant stuff that they've done, but the moments that were just kind of goofy. So, um, yeah, we, we dive into some of those this week. Well, I look forward to listening to it, but yesterday I was Googling you, and I went in a deep dive, and about an hour passed, and I realized I was just reading about different beefs that you've been in. And my favorite one has to be the fact that you had a beef with Nicki Minaj. That was, like, the unexpected great beef of the decade. Yeah, it's, it's, what's funny to me now is how fast time goes that um, anyone could know anything about me and not know all about that because for so long it was the it was like annoyingly so the like asterisk of my life really like oh yeah it was a you I mean there's a do you know um there's an entire NPR radio lab about me versus Nicki Minaj no like no yes I I had so I had <laughs> I it led That's I had incredible. a I had a I had a feature in the New Yorker, like a seven page feature in the New Yorker about me in twenty thirteen or something. And all of it happened because of the Nikki thing. Um and because of like the conversation that it led to about sort of me being a white male criticizing Nikki's music, but me doing it from a like music purity standpoint, like sort of all the social and uh, ramifications of that. But to make a long story short, yeah, it was a very interesting time. Um, and I realized recently that if that beef didn't happen when it happened, I probably would have been fired from Hot 97 years ago. Really? Um, I think I was, yeah, I think we were on the verge. I, so it happened during Summer Jam, which is our big yearly concert. Um, it's in the first weekend of June every year. And that's where it started was because, well, that's not where it started truly, but that's where it culminated was that I was on stage and I was introducing Kendrick Lamar, who was brand new at that time, at least in New York. And when I was bringing out Kendrick, I basically was like, you know, who's here? I was doing all my regular 
standard run-of-the-mill pop-the-crowd lines, like, who's here for that real hip-hop shit? You know, doing all my regular standard issue stuff. I didn't think much of it. And I was like, you know, who's here to hear that real hip-hop shit, not that not that Starship's bullshit. And that was Nikki's single at the time that I, I really hated. And I really didn't think much of it. I go inside the stadium, and then someone comes up to me, uh, my my now my my then boss now co-host Ebro comes up to me and is like, "What did you do? What happened?" And I'm like, "What?" He's like, "Nicki Minaj just pulled out of the concert because of something you did." I was like, "I I, I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about." I and I really I didn't have a true recollection of what had happened. I had to think about it, and then I opened up Twitter and my name was just trending number one, oh and I was God. like, "Uh oh," was like, "Uh." <laughs> <laughs> um, and I really, you know, for a few minutes, like, oh, my God, this is going to be so bad. And I think you can fast forward now seven years later, and I, I'm still doing mornings. I, I really think that's why. I think that our show had run its course to a certain extent, and we were in the middle of new competition that we were struggling with, and we needed a buzz, and it happened completely organically and by accident, but it totally changed the trajectory that time of my career sort of as a tastemaker. I mean, it wasn't pleasant at the time. A lot of people were pissed off. Lil Wayne was pissed off, and Birdman was pissed off. And Ooh, I don't want to Khaled. piss off Birdman. Oof. No, no, no. No one's pissed off Birdman. Um, <laughs> so at the time, it was a little... I was a little freaked out by it, but then, you know, the, the station stood by me and um, it turned into a really sort of uh, interesting moment. Um, but sometimes I don't like that it's such a part. You know, we all think our stories are so important when really no one gives a shit about any of it. But uh, naturally, you have a tendency to think your story is important because it's your story. So in my personal story, sometimes I don't like it because I think it it makes people think of me as a hater instead of thinking of me for what I was, which was really just being a hip hop backpacker purist. I, and, and, and truth be told, after that whole thing happened, Nikki put out her best, most hip hop album. So like, I really think all turned out well in the long run. Her and I made up all turned out fine, but it was an exciting and crazy moment. I mean, I stand in solidarity with you. Starships is trash. But I also wonder, though, Peter, if this beef with Nikki was your Ray J sex tape. That's a great point. And I released a video during that time, just a nude shower video for no reason. And everyone was like, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> like, what does that have to do with anything? And I was like, I just got always wanted to do this. Um, it, you know, to some extent, you're right, though. It is. It was. I wish it had done for me, though. It, listen, it was very cool. It got me like 30,000 followers. Not didn't didn't have quite the same effect effect that Kim and Ray J had for Kim. It's more like it was more like the effect that it had for Ray J. Yes, <laughs> that's more like what happened for him. I didn't get the Kim treatment. I just got Ray J. Okay, two more for you. So there's always this interesting cross pollination between sports and music. You're at the pinpoint of it. So do rappers wish they were athletes, or do athletes wish they were rappers? I think I think athletes want to be rappers more. In fact, I think it's almost exclusively that. Really? I think, yeah, I think everyone always frames it as both, you know, act, uh, rappers want to be athletes, athletes want to be rappers. I think if you really look at it, though, that style, I think, is guided more by where hip-hop is. Like, go look at it. Like, the trends follow hip-hop, not the other way around. Yeah, that's now, true. I think the deeper argument would be is that back in the day, or maybe even some to this extent, in our inner cities a lot of people are 
seeing the cool dudes in the neighborhood. And a lot of times those people were gangsters back in the day, like particularly in the eighties, nineties, the people were aspiring to be gangsters. And so both, both athletes and rappers were aspiring to be like those dudes. So you could, you can really argue, and this goes back a long way. Like it actually goes, this is not a, a black or white thing. Like when you really think about it, if you really want to go look at Sinatra and sort of where he laid in, existed in culture, you know, there, people don't like to talk about it, but gangsters always do set certain trends in our mm-hmm. society. That, that is what we are to some extent. And so I do think you see that reflected in hip hop and men from hip hop to athletes. So it's a really nerdy way of saying I, I do think it's the hip hop cats that sort of set the tone more than the athletes, but it's been cool for me. Just even, even though like I'm sort of an outsider turned insider in hip hop, it has been nice with my foray into sports to see like how many of the young athletes um, are aware of what I do because they're also into hip hop, you know? It's very cool. All right, last one for you, and I saved this for last because this is a sensitive subject, but I always have a certain level of compassion for you, Peter, because you're a Redskins fan. And as someone that was a former Rams fan, I have dealt with terrible, terrible product on the field. I mean, 15 and 65 is the worst five-year stretch of football in NFL history. I dealt with a terrible owner who ultimately ripped the team out of town, but just tortured us along the way. So I see week after week, the Redskins disappoint you. And I just, I see your rants on Twitter. I see your rants on the Michael K show. My heart breaks for you that you're a Redskins fan. Um, it should. Thank <laughs> you. So, hey, thank you. I appreciate your sympathy. It is well, it is warranted and founded. Um, I, this team, I guess the Rams could be a good comparison because of just like you said, how bad that stretch was. But I don't know, man, if I really go deep on how bad the Redskins thing is, you know, from the name being problematic, you know, to the fact that you kind of like, I kind of learned later that like they were also the last team to integrate which is why there's so many Cowboys fans in Washington. I never understood that before. I always thought the reason was just because people were haters. Like, no, a lot of the black population in D.C. became Cowboys fans because the Redskins were the last team to integrate. Then they have this name. Then they get this owner. And this owner is just, the owner really accentuates all those other things. I don't think any of us would have talked anymore about them being the last to integrate. And maybe they wouldn't have even focused that much on the name, problematic as it may be, had it not been for the fact that this owner is so bad. Like, don't ever forget that he's the person who made the name conversation worse by saying, you can put this in all caps, I'm never changing the name. Mm-hmm. So he did so much of this. And then when you really think about how bad it's been since then, I mean, if you want to go like karmically, like how terrible the loss of Sean Taylor was, right? Like such such cruel torture um, and just like what a horrible experience that was obviously for his family and his loved ones but even as fans like it was just so brutal he's probably the most talented player on the team in the last 30 years and he was killed in his prime it's like such a you you loved him so much and then he literally I mean to have someone die mid-career is such a strange feeling as a fan you know you don't know these people but you really love them. And, and then since then, I mean, even going all the way up to Alex Smith, I mean, I don't know how many people realize this. Alex Smith almost died last year. I know. It was really serious. I, it, it, I really don't think the story's ever properly been told in a national forum that Alex Smith almost died. And the truth is, Trent Williams could have died. And that is why he is not playing. 
because the team almost was responsible for his death. I mean, I'm just saying that based on things I've heard. I don't know. I cannot confirm that that is a fact. I just know that the stories I've heard is that they misdiagnosed something that was absolutely serious. And of course, he's not coming back unless they give him a ridiculous amount of money. And why would they not do that? I would hope that if he was your janitor and you made that mistake, you would give him a ton of money. How about he's not your janitor? He's the best player on the team. So you would think that you almost potentially killed the best player on your team. Do you want, how about you give him a ton of money? So at least you can do it. No, no, no. Instead, Bruce Allen's going to have a contentious fight with him in which he's not even trading him. Like, I really think that they are in rarefied air for how defunct they are as a franchise. It's, it's so fundamental to who they are. It's so, so bad. And it sucks because you know what it's like with football in America? Like when you have an NFL team you love, you know, like, listen, I'm excited the Nats are in the World Series. I'm going to a game. I'm, I'm psyched. But, like, I'm a fraud baseball fan. It's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. The Redskins are, they're my team. Like, I, everyone knows in my family, like, on Sundays, no matter how bad they are, no matter where in the world I am, like, I'm watching. Like, that's just, that's who I am with them. And, you know, like, I'm excited to watch Thursday night when we get crushed by Minnesota. I will still <laughs> watch every snap. But, like, that's who I am. And so it's really hard to let go, even though, like, I know people who are huge fans, season ticket holders, who have given up their tickets and don't care. They're checked out. Yeah, I know. I watch the games and see the lack of fan support, and I'm shocked because it's a franchise like the Redskins, a storied franchise. And to see fan apathy there, that sucks. It's empty. There's no stadium in football that looks like that. Yeah, I'd beg to differ. I think there's two stadiums in L.A. that we can look at that are a little bit more bare than what we're seeing in D.C. Right. Well, Los (laughs) Angeles does not even... Los Angeles doesn't count. Like admittedly, the Chargers building, which I went to the Chargers building for a Redskins game, um, and it was great. It was way better than going to a game in Washington. Um, <laughs> wow. And I mean that. I mean, The best Redskins experience I've had over the last five years was in L.A. for a Chargers game, and we got crushed. We got absolutely <laughs> destroyed, but I had a great time because that building is so cool and because all those fans who were in L.A., it was maybe 10, 15,000 Redskins fans in L.A., they weren't miserable. Like, because think about how miserable you have to be to want to spend your Sunday in D.C. at a Redskins game. But when you live across the country in L.A. and your team comes out there, it's sort of a different mindset, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really fun. But I, I, anyone who's not really paid attention, go Google. Look on Google image searches for, like, uh, the, our FedEx field and the crowd. It's You've never seen anything like it in the NFL. I mean, just the gobs of empty seats. This is a franchise that when I was a kid, you could not get tickets. There was no such thing as getting Redskins tickets. When you got them, it was like a thing. When my dad told me we were going, it was such a huge deal. I, I cannot even convey it in 2019. And it wasn't just because I was a child. My parents remember it well, too. It was impossible to get tickets. So it's just really sad when you think about it in that context as well. Uh, well, I hate to end this on such a bummer note because we had such a great conversation. But listen, I will tell you this. It will get better. At some point, it will get better, right? There's there's always a rainbow outside the storm. And hopefully that means that somehow Dan Snyder will get removed. But See, but in, mo- in most things in life, that's true. And you're like, yeah, I could see how the rainbow would come. In this case, I don't know if the rainbow could show up if you're constantly like, you know, like Mother Nature's evil brother standing in the background like never. Oh, well, see, but you got to project positivity. You got to stay blessed, okay? 
You know what? Hashtag stay blessed. I will. I will do my best. Thank you for uh, going on my trip with me to Alexander Wang. I apologize for how bad that sounded as a radio person. I feel guilty about it now. Um, but I enjoy your podcast, and I'm proud of you. I think you're doing an amazing job, and you have such an awesome – when you were producing me at ESPN in Bristol – like I didn't realize how good a voice and, and, and sort of a style you had for radio. So I'm, I'm very impressed because I did not ever think about it when we worked together. So it's really cool to see. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for joining me. Thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Later, dude. Great holiday parties. There's only two ingredients that you really need. A well-decorated tree and a great bar. So let St. Louis's premier beverage catering service help. Liquid Spirits can bring everything you need for a great bar right to your office, home, or venue. And the best part? You get to let their bartenders cut off that guest who's a little sloppy. They may have been celebrating a little too much, a little overserved. You don't have to do it. You don't have to be the bad guy. So let Liquid Spirits do it for you. If you mention us, mention Small Talk, you can get a free package upgrade. I mean, how about that? Those holiday parties, they always creep up on you. So give Liquid Spirits a call. Get ahead of the game. You can call them at 314-347-7297. Start planning that epic holiday party now. You can also check them out online. Facebook and Instagram at Liquid Spirits STL or follow them on Twitter at Spirits Liquid. You know what time it is. It's review time. If you haven't already, head to Apple Podcasts, search for Small Talk, find it, rate it, preferably five stars, and leave a review. Like this person, JSPAN23, who says lakes are cooler than beaches, five stars. Review, I'm pretty sure there was just a lakes are cooler than beaches and everyone agreed. Small Talk reference on the STL-based sitcom Superstore, kudos. Love the pod, big fan, A-plus content. Wait, Superstore is based in St. Louis? How did I not know that? My world is rocked right now. Anyone who's ever met me or listened to this podcast knows I'm 100% pro St. Louis. I take pride in knowing almost all there is to know about St. Louis. I love TV. I cannot believe that no one, and I literally mean no one, has mentioned to me that Superstore is based in St. Louis. And I'm going to go home and watch it tonight. First episode, super, well, the World Series is on tonight, so that was a lie. But you know what? One day this week, I'm going to get to Superstore, especially if it's based in St. Louis. That is awesome. Thank you so much to Peter Rosenberg for the time. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. <laughs> He's something else. I mean, we went everywhere from to him visualizing Ray J naked to his schedule. I mean, really, that was a small talk conversation if we've ever had one. We're going to be back in action soon. It may be earlier than next week. And it may be with a guest that most of you are familiar with, if I can coordinate his very busy schedule. I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to promise that we'll get it done if we don't. But we are efforting a time. I'm sure you can figure it out. And I hope to have him by the end of this week, just like old times. So we'll either have a bonus podcast for you at the end of this week, or we will be back in action next week. But either way, we'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening to Small Talk. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app.